his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Hi all, Lady R slash here. Talking about Brian Koberger this morning, he had his hearing today. So I just wanted to check in and let's talk about what happened and what might happen. So he appeared briefly in court this morning for his status hearing. Remember, this 28-year-old is accused of murdering four University of Idaho students back in mid-November. Today, he waived his right to a speedy trial, and a preliminary hearing was set for June 26. Isn't it amazing how long you have to wait for justice? It just takes so long. The courts are so busy. Jason Labar, the public defender who represented Koberger in Pennsylvania, keeps saying his client is eager to be exonerated. So this guy is still saying that he is innocent. I wish I could get a show of hands. How many of you out there believe that he could be innocent? Remember, in the United States, you are innocent until proven guilty. I wonder if they have any 50-50s out there or if most of you just think, hey, this is our guy. It sure looks like it, doesn't it? We know that attorneys, investigators, and others They're barred from talking about the case in any public way after a judge issued the gag order prohibiting those involved from discussing anything reasonably likely to interfere with a fair trial. So that means we're probably not going to hear a whole lot about what's going on inside the investigation. We know that last Thursday, the probable cause affidavit was released and it gave a chilling insight into how police linked Koberger to these gruesome crimes and how they tracked him down. Now, the one thing that's still missing, and we've talked about this before, is the motive. Personally, I have this little feeling that this was kind of like a practice run. He knows everything he needs to know. And again, this is assuming he's guilty. He knows everything that he needs to know. He's getting a PhD, for goodness sakes, right? He's got to know everything. So, of course, he can go out and commit the perfect crime. Is that what was going on here? Or maybe did he meet one of them at some point or all of them and they insulted him or did him wrong in any way that would make him angry enough to want to get some kind of revenge? I'm really curious what he was doing over there. These students had their own night. They were doing normal college things. They all sound like wonderful people. So I'm just not quite sure how they could cross paths, but let's remember that at school, he was seen as a good student. He knew his stuff, he studied, and he just kept moving forward. So maybe at school, he was someone to admire. Could they have crossed paths in that way? Not sure, but time will tell. And then I don't know if you guys heard this, but so he's in court, but people are looking at him and they're noticing that he has cuts and or maybe scratches on his face during his court appearance. And these lacerations were not really apparent if you weren't that close to him, but they also didn't seem to be there even a week ago. So what could that be? Some say he must have been hit while he's being detained, and others said, oh, just looks like maybe he cut himself shaving. 
So we'll have to see if that amounts to anything or if it really just was an innocent accident and it means nothing. I know that a lot of people are super eagle-eyeing what's going on in this case, and it's just unfortunate that we can't know some of those inside details. But as we know, they need those to keep their case clean and they want to go for a conviction. So they don't want to spill everything all over the place because the public can do a lot of damage to a trial. So can the media. So they're keeping things under wraps and they probably have a good reason for it. And then some more information from today. So after he waives his right to a speedy preliminary hearing, the defense asks the judge to set the preliminary hearing for the summer to allow them time to obtain discovery. So they really want to build a case here in Koberger's defense, and they want to get all the information because they're thinking, hey, we still have a chance here. I just wish we could know what it is they will get. Wouldn't it be great if we could all of the discovery and do our own analyzation of it and then find out if we're right in the end? But that's not really how the real world works. Koberger's now counsel, public defender Ann Taylor, also asked for four to five days for the preliminary hearing, and the judge already got that. He didn't have any objections. He knew about that request before he even went in. Then the judge explained to Koberger what it means to waive his rights to his speedy trial. So there's a lot of little details around basically every decision made. Now, Koberger said that he understands his decision. He didn't need additional time to consult with his counsel. He just wanted to waive it and be done with it. So before she adjourned, the judge said, all right, and there will be no bail at this time pending further charges. So further charges, what else could be out there? He's going to remain in police custody until this hearing at the end of June. The court appearance today coincided with the start of spring semester at the University of Idaho, which started yesterday. And a lot of students were returning to campus for the first time since these murders occurred of Kaylee, Madison, Zanna, and Ethan. And several students spoke out about their relief that the suspect is now behind bars. And can you imagine? But the thing is, is that no one's been proven guilty yet. So in the back of everyone's minds, I wonder if they're thinking, hey, what if they do have the wrong guy, no matter how it looks? That would mean someone else is out there. So there might be just a sliver of unease still out there because this isn't done yet. And did you know that when he was being extradited from Pennsylvania to Moscow, he actually made small talk with the the officers about the case that's going on. And he'd say things like, wow, it's really sad what happened to them. But then he wouldn't say anything else. And the officers feel that, hey, he is too smart for that. Because let's remember, Koberger is not, he's not ridiculous, right? The guy is smart. He lost his weight. Supposedly, he quit using drugs. He goes on to get his degrees. He's getting a PhD. So on the outside, he does look like a normal, succeeding young man. Well, he's 28, not quite as young as everyone else. But he's still, he's a young man. His parents have to be very proud. I'm sure that this hit them out of the blue like a ton of bricks. And now, I can't imagine how they feel. We've got internet sleuths looking into everything. We've got podcasters, people like me, checking in, talking about it. Some are really trying to figure out exactly what's going on. One of those people is Nancy Grace. Lover or hater, she's been retracing this whole thing. So it's pretty interesting that she had the guts to do it. I think it's kind of interesting. And she actually went to the house and she's taking the drive in the dark. She wants to know exactly what it was like that night. And she's talked about 
taking the same drive that investigators believe Koberger took the morning of November 13th based on his cell phone data. And she says, the route that we believe he took, very, very circuitous, what should have been a 10-minute ride turned into an hour-long ride, and it was pitch dark. It was very much no man's land. There was sparse housing along the way, and I'm wondering if that's where he got rid of the murder weapon. It was not near the Snake River. I don't think that's the answer, but in that long hour drive, is that where we're going to find the murder weapon? Good question, Nancy. I think it is a good question. It would be interesting. What did he do exactly after that? Because along his route somewhere, if we can't find the weapon, she's right. It's out there somewhere. The phone Koberger allegedly used initially pinged at his apartment in Pullman, Washington, about a 10 to 15 minute drive from King Road in Moscow, where these murders were. Around 2.47 a.m. the morning of the murders. The connection was then disabled until 4.48 a.m., at which point his phone pinged in various locations south of Moscow, and then again in Pullman around 5.30 a.m. And this led investigators to determine that the suspect may have been trying to deter police. And we've talked about this before here. I mean, yes, the phone tracks you, but if you think that you're in route and then you're going to turn your phone off and then exit where you are and turn your phone back on, that's really obvious. I think you're better off just leaving your phone at home, but no one ever wants to do that, it seems. So this isn't looking good for him. And Grace wondered if more cell phone records could reveal Koberger perfected an escape route from Moscow leading up to the crime. You know he had to think about it. This was what he studied. He had a passion for this, albeit for the wrong reasons, maybe. But he did know some of what he was doing. And she's asking, did he drive that same exact route before, practicing for the night that he would have committed the murders? Nancy Grace said she believes prosecutors are building a strong case against this suspect, who, as we know, his DNA was identified on that knife sheath that was found next to one of the victims. She says she believes it's a strong case, as we know from the bare-bones skeleton in the probable cause affidavit. And she thinks there's going to be a lot more, and there better be, because there are a million ways to explain away DNA on that knife. So this is where the case could get tricky. This guy does know a lot about crime. He does know how to plan things out and what they're going to be looking for. I guess we're going to find out how good he was. And we have to wait a bit, but we will find out. And that's all I have today on our update from the Idaho murders. Thank you for being here, getting updated, taking a listen. And keep on listening. We always have more stories to share.